with the credit cards and everything coming into our life, we we tend to spend more than we earn. So yes. uh, it just puts back things into perspective where you're not spending more than what you're earning, and uh, there's a method to it. So yeah. Welcome everyone to the Drive to Succeed podcast. My name is Daniel, the host of the show. Today's episode is all about recession-proof strategies businesses should do during a global crisis. By the way, if it's your first time tuning in today, please hit the subscribe button and share this with your friends, family, and network. This way, we can gain more visibility and have a fighting chance for this podcast to be seen with a lot of more people and have more impact along the way. Today's guest is with my good friend, Simran Samtani, which is the co-founder of Excel Accounting here in Dubai. And today's episode we discussed a lot of things about money and why is it important to have money in mind when you're starting your own business or even when you already have an existing business and how you can grow your business to the next level by applying a simple principle called profit first now we discussed a lot of things about profit first build to sell and putting a system in place to make sure that even you as a business owner or as the founder of the company suddenly you know had an emergency and you need to leave the business for a month or even for a year or even some emergency things happen which god forbid you know we can make sure that the business still continue and create its legacy to its more people that is serving. And of course, we discuss about how to create a win-win approach in business and making sure that it's sustainable in many years to come. And how how about you? Have you think about the concept of saving? What are your thoughts about saving? I mean, some people may say, Daniel, you know, this episode is for about small business owners actually it's not because the principles that we applied in this episode are also applicable in a personal or individual level so please please make sure you stay until the end because this episode is so amazing and i truly enjoyed it and don't just take my word for it but make sure to you know have your pen and notes ready because if so valuable to me i hope it will be so valuable to you as well so without further ado Let's welcome the one and only Simran Samtani. Welcome back to the Drive to Succeed podcast. We have my good friend Simran Samtani on the show. Thank you so much for being here. My pleasure. All right. So Simran, uh, I believe, I think we had met once. uh, It was on International Women Entrepreneurship Show. And you're the the one sitting in front. I just remember it. Yes. Yes, that's right. We got connected through LinkedIn, uh, but the reason uh, you're here today is to enlighten us a little bit about, you know, how can businesses save money, you know, what are the principles that we needed to apply, like you mentioned earlier before we start record, profit first, build to sell. Um, these are very interesting topics, especially relevant right now. Uh, but just to put a little bit of context, who is Simran Samtani? Um. Just a normal person like everybody. Uh, my, I'm an ex-banker. I am an MBA in marketing. Um, I joined my husband in our business. We have a boutique accounting firm for 16 years. I've joined him in the last two years while I helped him co-found. So I used to be with Citibank before. Uh, so though, I, And I'm not an accountant. And I pride myself <laughs> uh, being uh, an entrepreneur. So I can speak in the language of fellow entrepreneurs without the jargon. So I... 
I conduct accounting for non-accounting courses. And I've realized that uh, in my own journey, mm-hmm. um, you know, because I always, and you know, we all have a money mindset. We come with a lot of money baggage uh, with ourselves. And uh, I've realized that I had a money ceiling. Um, you know, I never thought money was everything, but yeah. uh, so I've started working on my money mindset. I've started working on a lot of stuff and I realized that I'm not the only one in this journey. Uh, so it's my passion right now. And I've seen a lot of people struggle through cash flow, very, very close family members. Mm-hmm. So it's my, um, it's, it's my mission to give 10 times more value than we get and share whatever I've learned and what others are learning uh, to build a movement where uh, people choose fear of money, uh, you know, choose faith over the fear of money and which leads to a lot of other stuff. So yeah, that's a little bit about me. It's interesting. I didn't know that uh, the business was co-founded by your husband. And so this is like uh, yes. a husband and wife uh, business. Yes. I'm associated yes, along as well. So. Yes. All right. Uh, very good. Very good. Um, just really curious about, you always mentioned about a win-win approach in business. Mm-hmm. Can you tell us more about mm-hmm. it? Yeah, because see, uh, anything that you do, you can't win with someone else losing. So um, you need to give first before you receive. So the whole idea is to give first, give value, then there's a no-brainer. Um, you know, if, if, if um, you're only saying, what am I going to get in return for it, but you're not giving value, it's not going to be a long-term relationship. So, you know, even if it's your clients, it's your friendships, it's your relationships, everything, there is a give and take. And you can only ask. So it's like a bank, right? You yeah. deposit money. I'm a banker. So you deposit money. Only then can you withdraw. Exactly. You know, there might be some overdraft facilities, but you can't overdraw to a certain extent. So you need to make sure that you're depositing. You're, you're, you're giving first before you're expecting anything to receive. Uh, and and it, you may not receive from the same source. You may receive it from someone else, but you need to give first. Mm-hmm. Understood. Yes. And so that is a win-win concept where everybody should win and think of a way where everybody comes out happy, fulfilled. That's right. That's right. And, and win for you may be, a win, may be different from a win from somebody else. So understanding what is it that their perception of a win is and then uh, working together uh, in the journey, walking that path together to reach that uh, goal. Mm-hmm. Understood. And you mentioned about businesses before we record businesses should have a principle about profit first. I know some, this concept, you know, is widely known, but for some, although it is known, there's a difference between knowing and doing. So <laughs> can yes. you give us a little yes. bit, you know, insights about this? What are your tips? Uh, what are, you know, uh, strategies as well for any business yes. owners out there who wanted to uh, implement this stuff? So see, what happens is when everybody um, opens a business and you ask them, why have you opened a business? It's always about, I want money, you know, and I want more money. And, and uh, there are statistics that 82% of the businesses fail in their first five years. Yeah. Um, knowing that 69% of them were profitable. Mm-hmm. Okay. So the reason they failed was for cash flow. So uh, what happens is everybody does a sale, but it's the money is not collected. A whole lot of money is not collected. So a sale is not a sale till the money is collected. And having said that as well, what happens is in accountants, the formula is the general accounting principle would say that sales minus expense is equal to profit. So out of habit, a lot of people would make their sales. So if, even if it's a first sale, what they would do is they'll make the sale. The money may come in. Once the money comes in, they go and reinvest it in their business. 
it's not that you know the money is going somewhere else it may be going somewhere else but they reinvest they reinvest in people they reinvest in in systems everything and whatever is left behind if at all is profit right so so the philosophy of profit first is pay yourself first okay a whole lot of business owners also do not take salary for themselves right mm-hmm. so so the thing is if you're if you're running this business for your business to sustain itself it needs to be profitable you know for you to have your momentum you start with that passion for you to continue that it needs to give you a uh, profit so what is profit is basically you take the money mm-hmm. uh, so so you so the formula sales minus expenses equal to profit mm-hmm. you just shift it slightly nothing changes in the mathematical formula mm-hmm. you call it sales minus profit is equal to expense mm-hmm. a new business can start like this on day first so i want 50% profit can i do it today no i no. want 20% profit can i do it overnight no so start small you know uh, so can you start from today absolutely you can start from today so what do you do you just take 1% so if you're earning 10000 uh, 10000 as an invoice is it difficult for you to put 100 dirhams aside it's no. not you will not miss it so what you do is uh, what you do is you keep your profit aside Okay, so that's the philosophy of profit first, mm-hmm. and and basically it's a habit. So don't start by saying I'll put twenty percent aside because you'll not be able to sustain it. Keep doing with one percent, move it to two percent, move it to five percent, move it longer. There is a law called Parkinson's law. Okay, mm-hmm. so that law says we as human beings will consume hundred percent of what's given to us, right? So if you're given ten days to do a project, when do we end up doing it? Ninth day. <laughs> the same project someone tells you do it in 2 days you'll finish it in 2 days right if someone gives you 100000 dirhams for a project you'll use the whole 100000 right if someone says no we don't have the budget do it in 10000 you'll find means to do it and that is what we humans do so so one of the tips that is given in this book says that you put the profit in a separate bank account where you can't see it remove it Okay, mm. you will not miss it. You will not miss it at all because these are small portions that are going away. Yeah. With the remaining expense, then you will manage. We as human beings will manage. We'll think of smarter ways to do it. So, for example, when someone has money in the account, they take decisions on bank balance accounting. You you see the money in your account, you'll go and spend it. So even on a personal level, this is applicable on personal level as well. I go to the shop and I'll say, I want the best TV. When I go for a TV, I I just need basic stuff, right? The same, the same benefits, the same features are available in another TV for less. I'm not comparing my benefits and the price. But when I don't have that in my budget, I will look at what gives me the maximum value, and we'll find alternative ways. We'll find smarter ways to achieve the same thing with less. Understood. Yeah, and and it just struck a chord with me when you mentioned about putting that money aside into a different bank. I think um, this also applied. I forgot the name of the book or the practice where it's uh, like automatic millionaire, where every time you had an income, there's a ten percent or even five percent that you pull out immediately that you set up with a bank, and you know. <laughs> yes. Understood. So and a new company can probably start with a higher percentage and they work towards it. But if you're existing, you can't change because it will. It, so you know you do it step by step. But yes, that that makes total sense. Yes, and and also this, uh, I believe this principle also applies in a personal level. Um, yes. And also, if I believe is that 
because normally my wife handles all, all the cash flow and all the savings and all that. Uh, but I believe this is also one of the reasons why even on individual levels, like pe people when they lost their job, you know, they got laid off or even, you know, their business went bust, they don't have any savings just because they always prioritize their expense versus the profit coming in and then putting it on the side and, you know. Yeah. And, yeah. and, and also, go ahead, sorry, go ahead. No, so it also follows, the, you know, what our grandmothers used to follow called the envelope system. So you decide how much you need to spend for, you know, for your home budget as well, what goes in entertainment, what percentage goes for food. So you already put it in an envelope and keep it aside. You don't spend, and that could be percentages, right? With one, the month you have more, you can put more. So it actually taken the concept that was already existing with our grandparents and, and you know, with the credit cards and everything coming into our life, we've, we've tend to spend more than we earn. So yes. uh, it just puts back things into perspective where you're not spending more than what you're earning and uh, there's a method to it. So, yeah. And I'm just really curious about one thing. Um, is this system applicable with uh, startups, entrepreneurs as well? Like let's say in the tech space. So because obviously people, some you know, venture capital money will come in. Obviously, the VC will tell like how many percent of how much is your salary. I mean, what are your thoughts on this? It is perfect for a startup because if you start correctly, you will not reach a stage where uh, you are in debt. Okay, uh, you will not use. Uh, so one of the ways this methodology is also being used, uh, and there's a whole uh, 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 thing to it about debt reduction. You can how you can use this philosophy even for reducing your debts if you're already in debt. But if a new uh, startup starts, they can start on that philosophy at the right point, and you know what? It gives the uh, venture capital capitalists, it gives the investors, it gives the angel investors the confidence that this is what it's doing and and this is connected to the uh, revenues you're making so if it's a uh, if it's a if it's a company making 1 million dirham revenue the percentages of profits are separate from a company making 50 million revenue so the percentage of your expense is defined by the revenues of your firm so you shift your profit percentages your salaries shift as you move along so if you're a if you're a solopreneur 50% uh, and you're a, a company below a million dirhams, 50% of your uh, uh, revenue should be a salary because if you're not in the business, the business is not there. This is not applicable to a business which has 100 and 200 people making 10 million because it's the systems in place. So your philosophy and your formula has changed there. And, you know, it gives the investors also confidence that this company is going in the right direction. It gives them metrics on which they can um, check on the progress of the firm as well. Yes. Uh, yeah, I really love when you say about that is that when you are not in business, I mean, you, when you don't pay yourself as a business owner, then, you know, you go out in debt and then you're not really in business. Uh, I really love about that. Uh, but I'm just really curious about one thing, especially uh, you as a husband and wife uh, partners in a business. Do you believe in work-life balance and what, what are your process in terms of working, especially right now we're at home, you know, um, just really yeah. curious. <laughs> okay. So, it, you know, working together has its advantages and disadvantages. We're two different personalities. So it's taken a while to reach this stage. We've been working for 12 years now. Um, work-life balance, I would put it as there's never a balance, right? But I would put it as work-life harmony, right? So the thing is, uh, when you're working together and you have your own business, uh, it, it gives you flexibility in a way that is, and it's a value that's priceless to us. So for example, both of our parents are back home. 
Now, if, if he needs to go because his mom is not well or he needs to take care of her, I don't need to leave at the same time because it's work related, right? But he has the confidence that the work is happening here. The same thing with my mother. If she needs me, I can go alone and I know my business is taken care of because he's here in the business. Um, we decide, uh, uh, you know, today we want to watch a movie. I can go during work hours, but work on a Friday. But the, the, the thing is, it allows you that flexibility. Yes, there are pros and there are cons. Uh, you know, you get up at 5 a.m. in the morning and 7 a.m. in the morning and talk about work. That's a possibility. Uh, what we've done is one thing for sure. Fridays, we switch off completely. That's come over a period of time. We don't talk work. We don't do work. Fridays is, you know, we would, we would, it's family time, it's watching movies, going out, whatever. Fridays, one day we don't work because we are on our own business owners. Saturday depends on how things Flexible <laughs> Yeah. So, so yeah, that's it. I miss it. So you, you set a time um, on Fridays where you don't work. Yeah. And I it's like a Sabbath day for you guys. Yes. Understood. And is there like a routine as well, like in the evening, let's say after seven, you know, we don't talk about work because I mean, this happens nowadays, especially like for small business owners, solopreneurs, husband and wife, like when now at the moment they're eating, talking about family and then at, at one point, you know, it shifted towards the business and then the cash and then everything, you know. Yeah. That's... So we have, um, you know, we have a... Uh, um... Our hobbies, which are common, so we both love movies. So when you're watching a movie, you're definitely not talking work. So we incorporated that in our in our daily life. We both love food. Uh, you know, sometimes we cook together, and so those times work will never come in. So uh, I believe that incorporating things that you love in your life on a daily basis is important. Uh, mm -hmm. And work for us is passion. So we don't mm -hmm. think of it as work as well, right? Mm -hmm. So so the thing is, it does step into our personal time at times. But then when you're doing things you enjoy and you're involved in it, it may not come in. Understood, mm -hmm. understood. So you built it into your life. You, so you, you, you basically uh, integrate uh, like a work, work like harmony as well, integrate yeah. what you yeah. like and what you don't like. And, and I believe yeah. it. one thing that really succeed in, in this type of setup is about your communication with your partner, business or you know, life yes. partner. <laughs> yes. yes. Because we each need our space as well, right? Because we're always working together, staying at home together. So, you know, giving each other that space um, that you need is also important. You can't be in each other's space all the time. Um, so, yeah, so understanding that, respecting that has been a journey. Um, but yeah. it's, you know, it's, it's, it's good. Uh, so also because we are working together, you know, and we are small business owners, you can't take long holidays. We can't just, you know, like when I was in Babang, take one month holiday and go away and do a three-week yeah. U.S. trip, etc. So what we do is we've incorporated staycations in our life. We both mm. love the beaches. So every three months we would go for two nights, you know, so you're not waiting. So you incorporate that. And, you know, because you're own business owners, you don't have to do a Friday, Saturday. You can do a Thursday, Friday. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. um, so, so all that adds up and allows you that flexibility. You can take advantages of good rates um, uh, on staycations, on small holidays, do a four-day Seychelles or, a, you know, yes. things like that, which are smaller trips, but more frequent trips in the year. Smaller breaks, because that's what you need to even sustain your energy uh, to come back. So we, that's, that's something that's worked fabulously for us.
Understood. Thank you so much for sharing that. Um, also, one thing you have a built to sell on your background. That is the one yes. one of the books that I read twice that I really love. Uh, tell us a little bit more about that. And I, I believe you also certified on that uh, practice or methodology. Um, yes. Yeah. So just tell us a little bit for, for people who doesn't know about built to sell. Yeah. So built to sell is again another methodology. So I'm certified on both built to sell and profit first. That came into my life. Uh, uh, just by accident, but it's been a big part and I'm a strong believer in it. Mm -hmm. uh, build to sell is a methodology whereby, uh, you know, your business is your biggest asset. Uh, when we start our own businesses, we put everything into our, into our business, the money, the time, the energy, the focus, everything goes back into your business. And eventually, it, while it's, it's your biggest asset and it's a tool to give you the lifestyle you want to live. So what happened was, uh, it was my husband's 50th birthday and we went to Seychelles. And, you know, as you have a landmark birthday, you start questioning life. You start questioning what now, what do we want to do? We love the beaches of the world. So we were like, you know, what if we would have a lifestyle like this? And I was like, okay, uh, so what do we do? Because we, we started our business by accident. We grew our business by accident. We, we went with the flow. We were never too ambitious uh, to, you know, to grow it to a certain extent and make it an empire or whatever, as long as, you know, we were leading, uh, uh, it was giving us a good lifestyle. We were happy with what we were doing. We wanted to keep it a family. Uh, so it was a choice. I was like, if we sell our business today, will it give us the lifestyle that we want? And we kind of realized that we may be able to sell our business, but not at the price that we would want to sell it at. So that's how I, from Seychelles, I wrote to them, uh, to the build to sell people. I'd read the book and asked about how, what are the steps and how do we build our business to sell? Uh, when I went to the methodology for our own business, I realized that this is something everybody would need. Um, so what it does is it helps you design your business to become more valuable. Whether you want to sell it or not is secondary. Some people, each person will have a different philosophy. Some people want to build it and pass it as a legacy to their children. Some people would just want to be a chairman to the business, want to work on their business, but not in their business. They don't want to get into the in, in, uh, nitty gritties of, you know, handling things on your own. So, so it's a, it's, it's a process and uh, it's based on a lot of scientific reasons. There are eight business drivers that help you set up your business so that you can exit your business by design. So by mm. exit, I don't mean actually sell. If you want to sell it, it will increase the uh, sellable value. They've created an algorithm uh, based on speaking to mergers and acquisition companies, based on big major sales. And they fine tune this as we go along. And they've realized that anybody who gets a score of about 80 on their algorithm uh, would tend to get uh, 6.7 times more value for the business who's in the same area as you, who is facing the same economic challenges as you, but it's building your business, building the things which will help you not work on your business uh, work on your business, not in your business. So that's the philosophy and methodology behind Build to Sell. Mm -hmm. Understood. And you mentioned about there are like, there are eight uh, key drivers uh, for right. Build to Sell. I think one of those is like creating a system um, that you can yes. pass yes. on. Yes. If you can yes. name at least like two or three, if there's time, you know, just uh, share us I, a little bit. No, no, absolutely. So what I will choose the ones that are more valid for right now. Yes. So one of it is what you just said, um, it's called Hub and Spoke, uh, which is actually building your business with systems because people fail, systems don't. Systems work. Okay, so it's not dependent on you. Uh, you know, people will change, your employees will change, but your systems should remain the same as to anybody can come and work that system. 
So it's all about building a standard operating procedures. So anybody who picks up the phone as small as that should be able to uh, answer it in the same way to finding out checklists on what needs to be done. So each business, the systems would be different. So the word hub and spoke comes from a space where it's like an airline hub. If everything is that hub and something happens at that hub, everybody gets stuck. So which you as a business owner, if you are the bottleneck, if the customers want only want to speak to you, if your employees don't take a decision without asking you, so you become the bottleneck and you can't grow your business. Yes. So, so, you know, and it can happen overnight. So there are steps in which you do little by little, you, mm -hmm. you set a certain system, take a holiday for three days, see what's not worked, come and plug it off, then take a holiday for one week, then mm -hmm. come and plug it in. And then so that you can step away from your business mm -hmm. and, uh, and it, it should run, uh, better without you actually. Understood. So and yeah. that's number one. So creating system, creating SOP so that yes. you know in case yeah. I think it's also building up you for success. So in case yes. there's something happen with the business owner or the CEO, then the continuous the, the company is still running smoothly and yes. you know everything good. And well, what's the number two? Just one more. <laughs> yeah. So uh, the second one I would suggest is recurring revenue. Okay, so what happens is in today's world, uh, there's no predictable income. One of the biggest things, and, and, and the reason I'm saying is a lot of businesses offline right now, um, you know, want to move online. So if, you, if you're planning that for your business, understand that there could be different streams of revenue for you. So you should have predictable income um, and, 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 and understand how your business can generate recurring revenue. And it's brainstorming that idea uh, where you can have multiple streams of revenue from the same business. Uh, so I'll give you a classic example of a florist and this is a certain example. Yeah. Um, so normally florists make money only twice, uh, big money twice in a year, Mother's Day and Valentine's Day, right? That's yeah. when they are like flooded with inquiries. The other days they're set up in most expensive real estate areas where husbands would forget their anniversary, wife's birthday, and they're picking up flowers. Now flowers are also um, uh, perishable items. So they yeah. have, uh, they have about 50, 40, 50% that goes waste. So the expensive real estate, uh, perishable item, um, no predictability in their income. Another company um, uh, called Bloom started their business. But what they did is they had tie up with contracts with hospitals, hotels, bars, found out how much exactly do they need, have recurring contracts for the whole year, what kind of flowers do they want? What frequency do they want to change their flowers? And, and they, their uh, outlet was in a warehouse, okay, mm. not in prime real estate. They exactly knew which flowers were wanted, how much was wanted there. Uh, uh, rate of flowers getting wasted was less than 2%. So building a business model that gives you predictable income because it only increases. Yeah. Okay, so some of these methods of that is subscription model, your Netflix. Nobody will think twice before putting a $10 in your Netflix and it continues. All it does, it, it adds to, to, to your revenue. Um, mm -hmm. Nespresso machine, you know, so the machine is not expensive, but, but the fact is you're still going to buy Nespresso capsules to conduct it. So what can you do to that model mm -hmm. for your business? You know, and it's possible by brainstorming, take other business ideas and see what can we do to make our business have recurring revenue models. Having long-term contracts is one of the options. That is the highest option. Uh, and so when John Varillo wrote the book, Built to Sell, he kind of realized that this was a turning point uh, in, 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 in that sellability value because somebody was buying your business. Okay, mm -hmm. let's put ourselves in the place of the buyer. 
right? So if somebody who's buying your business, you have hub and spoke where you have systems, it, even if you go away, he knows he can, he or she can increase the value of your business, right? He, it's not dependent on you. So they're more willing to give you a higher price. They know that you have income, which is predictable over the years. They give you a higher value for it. So from a buyer's perspective, it also, uh, it's, it's your business is more attractive to them because of predictability in your revenues. A mm. uh, classic example of recurring revenue will also be a Harley Davidson. Um, a lot of guys like Harley Davidson bikes. How many have you seen that on the road, right? Uh, what was the name called? Harley, Day- Harley Davidson bikes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So what happens is the bikes are most expensive, but people who own Harley Davidson have a Harley Davidson club, mm-hmm. right? They have Harley Davidson club. The subscription is $45 a year. Okay. $45 a year is peanuts for people to want to be in the Harley Davidson club. They also have collaterals, uh, jackets, yeah. stuff like <laughs> that. Okay. So imagine more than millions of people, $45 a month, a year that's coming to Harley Davidson without selling a single bike. Yeah. <laughs> right. Because it's a no brainer. Nobody will go and cancel that subscription because it's, it gives you prestige. Right. And they make more money on their collateral stuff. Uh, you know, that, that, that takes care of their bread and butter uh, yeah. uh, uh, expenses. So what can we think? Those are the two uh, big ones at this point of time that I would recommend. I will also mention one more thing sure. that I feel is very important because people are, are redefining their businesses. It's called the Switzerland structure, which is nothing but uh, the fact that we don't have to be over dependent on a single customer. So the formula for that is, uh, not more than 15% of your revenue should come from a single customer. Imagine in a situation like this, if you lose your topmost customer. Yes. So spreading that uh, uh, across and not being dependent on a single customer. So the formula there is about 15%. The same thing applies for your vendor. So what if you your business is dependent on one single vendor and his business gets affected, you'll get affected. So not relying on a single vendor, uh, not re- relying on a single employee. So three things, remain neutral. So that, mm-hmm. you know, again, by building systems, this will help that you're not dependent on an employee. But if, if that, so like if it's a spa and, uh, oh, sorry, if it's a salon and it's a hairdresser, people mm-hmm. only come to you for that hairdresser and that hairdresser goes and starts her own business. Yes. You yes. will lose all your clients. So being aware of where you stand in your current business and how you model it to start mm-hmm. slowly by slowly making yourself independent of these resources is, is what uh, would help you, uh, you know, uh, sustain continue grow and become scalable understood thank you so much i mean i was just about to ask you a follow-up about the recurring um you know recurring revenue program is that because let's say you have a big chunk of that customer paying you monthly or even yearly what if that customer suddenly went bust then you're now left and then you answered with the number three which is yeah. you only need to have 15 percent of each customer vendor and employee yeah. understood and what's the term called uh, is it diver What's it's called the Switzerland structure. It's 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 named on the cities uh, on the country Switzerland because Switzerland has always remained neutral, oh, uh, whether okay. it was Brexit, whether it was yeah. World War or whatever. It's it's remained independent. So to, uh-huh. to you know define it as an independent place, your business needs to be independent of employees or vendors of uh, you know uh, a single yes. customer. Understood. Thank you so much. I, 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 we're only 35 minutes, but you know, the value of this episode, <laughs> I believe, really, even you. me myself, I keep learning as well. Um, speaking of learning, uh, you mentioned, I think you also are a firm believer of 
you know, continuous learning, attending events, conferences, seminars. Yes. Um, who are your favorite speakers and, you know, someone that made an impact with what you're doing right now? Uh, actually, a whole lot of them. Uh, but I, my, the, I follow a lot of people for different things because in life you need different things. Uh, one of the key persons that has influenced me a lot, I'm a big fan, is Robin Sharma. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's a big fan of Robin Sharma and uh, I like uh, the simplicity with which he writes his books I follow his 5am principle because setting yourself correctly in the morning uh, is important I am an early morning girl anyway so you know a little bit of reading a <laughs> little bit of uh, you know hearing um, your thoughts uh, so I, I, I'm an advocate of uh, uh, Robin Sharma's principles uh, yeah, so he's one of one of the authors that I follow. I I love the two people that I follow, even the other books. So like I said, uh, when in the recurring revenue, when there's built to sell, uh, John Varillo has written another book called The Automatic Customer, mm. uh, which only talks about recurring revenue as a whole book is on recurring revenue called The Automatic Customer. So, so uh, another person that influenced... Uh, us and our business, especially uh, right in the beginning, before I saw Build to Sell and Profit first, is somebody called Michael Gerber, who's written a book called Emit. Okay, mm. so the book Emit talks about working on your business and not in your business and creating your business as a, a turnkey franchise. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, the hub and spoke model speaks to the Emit stuff. And the way we've designed our business over the years has been because of Emit. We've, we've had our challenges uh, in the 16 years that we've had, and we are now built on systems, uh, and, and you know, which is why I love the hub and spoke uh, model, but it was based on EMIT. Understood. And I'm really curious because obviously you've been running, uh, I mean, I, when, when did you join Excel? Uh, 12 years ago. 12 years, 12 years ago. Understood. Yeah. Uh, so it was 12 years ago, and then the business has been 16 years. I'm just really curious. I mean, do we have any other businesses running, or if? Because obviously, I th- I think uh, there's one article where you mentioned that you suddenly joined uh, your husband running the business, um, running you know the business, and then you were a banker back then. But if I will ask you, or some people will ask you, you know, if you could start another business or you can start all over again what is the industry that you will be in so uh it it would be uh so what i'm doing currently it's it's not another business but it is an additional stream of revenue uh, uh, that i'm adding to excel accounting is mm-hmm. based on these two philosophies so we're doing mm-hmm. coaching i'm mm-hmm. going to launch uh, something called build for profit which is principle of both of these uh so coaching on it consulting our clients on it so it would be somebody who would just need the coaching, but somebody would need us to implement. It is collaborative with what we are doing at uh, Excel Accounting. Mm-hmm. Um, so adding more value to our customers yeah. by by preparing and gearing them with the numbers that we are aware of by helping them with these philosophies to mm-hmm. move ahead uh, 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 and you know build themselves to sell or start making them profitable with that philosophy. So some people would, would be our clients where we are actually implementing it for them. Some people would be outsiders having their own accountants, having mm. their own uh, uh, outsourced accountants as well, yes. but would just want us to be coached on this methodology. So mm-hmm. that's an additional stream of revenue uh, for us. So mm-hmm. uh, that's in the process, again, using the build to sell philosophy of recurring revenue. Understood. Thank you. So I'm creating multiple products on <laughs> that. So some would just be digital products to download. 
depending yeah. on the budget um, and some would be actual uh, coaching coaching like a one to one or one to group yes. or something yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah i really love about it because it it was a good segue to to what you're currently doing right now and that's just... my passion <laughs> so yeah and, and i'm really curious have you encountered what what is the one failure um that you can remember that probably you know has some impact in what you're doing right now obviously um, everybody's not perfect and you know nothing is perfect okay so um i will take the switzerland structure example and tell you so what happened in our business we faced a lot of challenges we started only as a one man band where it's what just my partner starting outsource cfo services he was giving his time and his consulting we just had one person working with him um uh you know to do the data entry kind of stuff uh bigner luck or whatever and that time i didn't know these systems i didn't know these philosophies and build to sell but we kind of had 80% of our revenue coming from one single customer very 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 good revenue yeah. all right uh, but we kind of realized over a period of time that that's not a sustainable model so yeah. we had people knocking on our door for accounting and bookkeeping so we started hiring other people uh, so it was very profitable when we started but as you hire more people as you move to a bigger office your expenses increase first before you start making money and you're changing business models so so that was one of the things it hit us where we were about to lose a client uh, but we didn't lose him uh, lose that client so we could structure it this way so so that was one of the big challenges and we kind of knew that if that happened it was like starting from scratch you know your business so second thing what happened is when we built our business and we thought and we started following the e-myth system uh we we learned about the e-myth system but you know procrastination says oh we'll do it another day this takes yeah. time Uh, you know we're getting clients client works gets in your way and then we had one of our staff who wanted to start on his own so we mm. gave him a no objection letter to start on his own what we hadn't realized that he had this plan a year and a half from before and some of the clients who didn't renew because they had then grown to a full time or whatever he built his business by taking our clients away <laughs> okay so we were over reliant on one employee and it yeah. actually took us two years back in our journey where we had to like uh, restart and that's when we spend all the time to systemize our business and said you know this has happened to teach us something we will make sure it doesn't happen again so yes. everything is checklist driven in our business right now wow uh, because it was it it's it's the reason i believe in all of this and i'm so passionate about this is because these things have helped us overcome our challenges in the past Understood, but is is there a way that because uh, mostly most uh, people who started a business uh, not necessarily need to solve a problem. Probably they were already doing good at what they do in their previous job, and especially here, in, I I think not just here in the UA but all over the world, where you can see people that leaving a company and then starting their own, getting half of their clients from the company. Um, is there a way to have a protection for those companies? who are planning to you know i don't know um hold someone accountable or even their top sales guy not <laughs> getting their clients is there a way not to do so that they, see we had it in our contract it's not like it wasn't on our contract right it depends on how you want that how you want to end it so do you want to fight it do you want to take the person to court do you want to go legal or you know so it it's not that it's not in the contract so one of the ways to safeguard yourself is to have uh a uh, contracts that are legally vetted uh yeah. there is a way but then when it actually comes down to taking that uh, decision it's a call you take it's 
it's it's it's a call you take so uh, you know me and my husband believe and more my husband than me i've started believing more right now at that time i was very angry but he's a strong believer in gratitude so he says you know where our business has come in the in the four years this person was with us you know and the way he's led our business to this level uh, he had a lot of gratitude for that and he also believes in forgiveness so you know he he kind of chose uh, the possibility of letting it go um and and say we learn from our mistakes we take yeah. our responsibility on it we learn from our mistakes and we correct it so that you know we not this doesn't happen to us again yes yes exactly uh yeah i think this is a little bit tricky question in there it is it is but yeah but betting your contracts and you know so even even um, your clients want your stuff at times correct so yes, these yes. things are your face with but it's on your contract it's it's written on your contract mm-hmm. and that's and i mean you can safeguard yourself with all the legal stuff it's just at that point of time is it worth the time the energy yeah, and uh, to, to do that understood understood um all right uh, so just a couple of questions where can people find you and you know where can people find more about your work i know you're pretty much you know in linkedin um but what what are your website uh, contact details or you know yeah so i can share those with you but uh, excel account www.excelaccounting.com is our website simran mm-hmm. santani on linkedin rajiv santani on linkedin that's my partner um another thing that i'm doing right now and which i fi- feel that people will find a lot of value mm-hmm. is i have a facebook group uh, mm. that i've just launched right now it's called uh, a 1 billion saving challenge it's wow. on cash flow i'm sharing tips it's only a place where i'm giving uh, or whatever i can give and 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 what i want out of it is to be a movement where it's not just me sharing um mm-hmm. where people are sh- sharing their success stories because right now i believe that a whole lot of cash flow uh, problems everybody is facing nobody can say that they are yes, yes. nobody can say that they're not hit by this current situation so and a lot of people have emotions around money there could be fear there could be guilt there could be sadness there could be shame and you know going through this roller coaster right so even small things and you know um, what what does not allow people to move forward is uh, procrastination not accepting it not uh, you know uh, again the fear Uh, so what mm-hmm. i want people to do in this group is not just me sharing right now i'm sharing but a lot of other people to engage and even share small small things that have mm-hmm. helped them move forward success stories of others because people are pivoting as well people yes. are making these shifts so you know small savings by by canceling your subscriptions uh by um, you know uh, certain attitudes by which you will start collecting money so yes. small tips can help people sometimes a small tip can go a big way and you don't no that could be a life changing one for someone yes yes i actually so, yeah it's i think this was the second group that you created there's one uh, i think in the past i forgot the name uh, there's one that i was part in i think you you added me that's there. on uh, continuous learning and business development it's called learning and business development because uh, i'm as i'm a big advocate of learning i go and uh, you know so I, i've incorporated a lot of things in my life like all my uh, trainings and everything is based on mind mapping by tony bazan so i i i you know i've gone to his courses i've done his courses mm-hmm. um, so people would say oh you're doing this i'm interested you know so what i did is i that group i i created a few years ago just for me and mm-hmm. others to share the events that are happening the courses that are happening things that are happening around us because yes you won't remember who told you they wanted to attend <laughs> right so people can then share i may not know all the events that are happening i may miss a few so that was created with the logic of um, 
sharing uh, events that are happening around you, learning events that are happening. Yeah, I really love about the one billion cash flow challenge. Uh, is is that the right name? Yeah, because I, yes, I, I remember there's one um, one airline that I did. I, I mentioned this in my previous podcast that there's one airline they removed the lettuce. Uh, I think it's Delta or something. The olive, the olive, the olive. Yeah, olive. American Airlines. Yeah. Yeah, and then uh, they save like a billion or something, you know, accumulatively yeah. in a year. Uh, yeah. Interesting, and uh, I believe you're also uh, talking about topics about money mindset, um, cash flow, because I'm sure there's a lot of people who see money as when you pursue money, it feels like it's evil. So people are not, you know, talking about money, but you know, it's one basic thing. I always believe that, you know, if you don't, I, it's it's either you're living in a cave and you don't want to talk about money, or you know, you're delusional, you don't want to face reality. Um, so before my final question, I just wanted to acknowledge Simran for sharing your journey, your wisdom. I really enjoyed uh, really spontaneous. There are no questions prep, um, you know, about this. <laughs> so really natural. So yes, um, thank you, Simran. My last and final question to you is, if everything is stripped away from you, um, like maybe a few years from now, 10 years from now, everything that you create suddenly, you know, um, went back to zero and you need to start all over again, what would be your main drive to succeed? Uh, again, I think, uh, you know, uh, people can, you know, copy your business ideas, but nobody can take away your passion and your knowledge from you. Uh, so, you know, some, everybody's facing a similar situation where they're reinventing their business, kind of, not at a zero level. But yeah. what I would say is at, at that point of time, uh, a is have gratitude for whatever you've got so far, the knowledge that you have that, that gives you the strength to move on. Mm-hmm. It's time to then identify what you want really in life because at different stages in your life, you want different things. And you can always rebuild uh, with your passion, following mm-hmm. your passion. If you love what you do, anything can be rebuilt. I mean, we've, we've heard stories where people have lost their house in a fire. People have lost things, but they have recreated all of it because it's first of all, you, you should know what you want. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and then your path will be created for you. People cannot take away your knowledge from you. People cannot yeah. take away your uh, learnings from you. Experience, and they will right? all come in handy at the right time uh, for you to, to rebuild. Uh, and, and probably there are opportunities to rebuild what you want to build. Yes, exactly. All right. Uh, I think that's it for today. Any last thoughts before we end the episode? No, uh, uh, wishing everybody a lot of business growth, scale up and prosperity and profits. <laughs> awesome. All right. Thank, thank you so you. much, Simran. And uh, see you guys. It was my time. pleasure being here. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. By the way, all my podcast episodes are available on YouTube as well. So if you're someone who is a visual person and you would like to watch it in video format, make sure to search my name, Daniel Francisco, or The Drive to Succeed. And you can watch all the episodes there as well. And, you know, just please make sure to hit subscribe. And it will really mean the world to me to spread the message. Because, you know, every week I strive to show up to the world and to you guys to bring you valuable guest, inspiring person or message to make sure that your career or your business will grow to the next level. And by the way, how many of you know someone who is an expert that is worthy to be a guest in my podcast 
please make sure to hit me up on Instagram at Daniel underscore Francisco underscore or my email at DanielFranciscoPublic at gmail.com. I really appreciate it. And until next time, wherever part of the world you are in, stay safe and God bless. Thanks again for joining us at the Drive to Succeed podcast. If you're enjoying learning from this podcast, you can show your support by sharing and rating this on iTunes or Stitcher and sharing it with your friends on social media and tag us on Instagram at the Drive to Succeed underscore podcast. Thank you once again for joining us. See you in the next episode.